This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello. Sometimes you successfully zag and you feel like a genius. Mm. Other times your favorite player loses his 300th NRL game and the two upsets you thought were going to happen don't happen to the tune of 102 points to 28. I, I'm glad you did the maths. Yeah, and I also picked the Bulldogs. So not a great week for us zagging. But, no, uh, it wasn't. But like that's that's the zag lifestyle. But if you beauty, got them right, if you got them right every time, they wouldn't. It wouldn't be wouldn't a zag, be a treat. Would yeah. Uh, but why, the beauty this is, you can't, this is why you can't try it at home. The Leave beauty is professionals. that it's it's Origin time, so no one cares. Everyone's already forgotten that those games happened. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Only Origin matters. So we're back, and we've got some teams for State of Origin game two. Um, let's start with the Blues because obviously that is you know such a bigger talking point than the Maroons. They haven't. Really got two out of line, but big news for New South Wales is, of course, that Latrell Mitchell has been named to be back in the centres. Mitchell Moses will be the halfback partnering Jerome Luai, uh, Junior Ballard back in the starting role. Damien Cook recalled to the team with uh, Rhys Robson playing the second fiddle off the bench as the other hooker. Hudson Young retaining his spot. Stefano Rukhtukamano getting a debut. And uh, Cam Murray also on the bench, despite that fitness concern, I believe both Murray and... And Mitchell, and I think maybe Martin as well, are all under sort of strict don't train hard regimes until at least the end of this week. So yeah. what do you think? Where do you want well, to start? Well, I, I actually wanted to know what you thought of that first because yeah. you were so against the Blues having guys mm. who were underdone in game one. Yeah. Now it's now they're going to have three blokes who are under it, not under an injury cloud, but their mm. preparation will be really, really limited. Yeah. I think the Murray one, the Murray one less so just because he's a bench forward. And we've already complained about the fact that they can't give all these guys the minutes they play at club. Anyway, so if something goes wrong, it's not the end of the world. The Mitchell one, I think is more of an eye, eyebrow raiser because as you said, he hasn't played since before that squad was picked for origin one, where we pulled up lane in camp just before that Raiders South game, which I believe was now more than it was three weeks ago now. So he hasn't played in almost, he hasn't played a game of footy in almost a month. So that one's concerning. And I think Liam Martin sort of more in the Murray basket than the Mitchell basket as well. So I think of the three, Latrell will be the one that raises the most eyebrows, but I think most people would agree that on his day, he's probably the biggest game breaker that New South Wales has. And I feel like that perhaps Brad Fittler wouldn't have taken this gamble if he was not 1-0 down and probably with his job on the line, not just a series. That's my yeah. take on the Mitchell situation. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, it is it is a gamble. I think any time you bring in somebody into an origin game when they haven't played in that long, it's going to be a gamble. But I think Latrell is one of the very few players in the league for whom that is a gamble worth taking just because of his his game breaking capabilities. And I think it's very it seems very clear to me that Latrell Mitchell is the solution to a lot of the problems the Blues had in game one. Like making meters wasn't a problem, but scoring in the attacking 20 was. And Latrell Mitchell is instant points, pretty much. Either scoring them or creating them for other people. Um and the way he play like while Origin is an incredibly intense environment no matter what position you are playing, it's not like he's somebody who's going to have 20 hit ups, you know, and, and really, and really just sort of like see how many revs are on the engine. Like his style is very much finding the touches when they matter. Like he's a strikes, he's a strike player. He's not a yardage player. So I think to that vein, while it is a gamble, I think it's a, 
it's a it's a gamble worth taking. You know what I mean? This mm. isn't this isn't backing a fifty to one first try scorer or no. anything like that. This is a this is a calculated risk, but it's one it's one I think is worth taking. Yeah, and I think that the diff- the main difference you mentioned there is like I love Josh Odokar. He's one of my favorite players to watch, but I thought that was a bit more of a gamble purely because he's a great player, but is the drop from him to Stephen Crichton or Campbell Graham that stark? I don't believe that it is when you compare to the difference that Latrell Mitchell can make playing in the centers. And as you said, finishing off some of these attacking moves that sort of fell flat in game one, because you're right, they had no issue getting down there. It was just the execution. And that's what he does so well at club level. People talk about his lack of return meters and all that tedious bullshit that we, we, we just shrug off because we know that it doesn't matter. But the thing is, Latrell Mitchell will touch the ball less than plenty of other fullbacks, but it'll have far more of an impact on the game on a weekly basis. And he can do that in origin as well. And I think that I think that the way that the rest of the team is shaped up, I think with Luai and Moses in the halves rather than Hines, I think that will put a little bit more on Mitchell to play make rather than if Cody Walker or Nico Hines have got that call up. I think Mitch Moses is a great player, but I think he's best he's a good runner of the football, but I think his best strength is his kicking game. And I think that sort of with ball in hand, Mitchell's going to be called on to do a little bit more. And I think maybe Bad Fittler was conscious of that when he made this gamble because he's gone with Mitch Moses rather than Nico Hines or the sort of half injured Cody Walker option. Yeah, well, well let, let's touch on the halves then. Let's yeah. let, let's go into it because well, Lou, it was, I, it was I thought he played well game one. I did too, but it was interesting to see Freddie talk this morning and he kind of said he kind of said he was a bit taken aback by what he called the media circus around around the halves, and he kind of acted like it was a real fait accompli that, well, the last time Cleary was out, Moses was in. So, of course, he was in this time, Like, which I think was a little bit – I don't know. It, 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 it seemed to me – it was a little bit glib to, to me because while Moses did play the last time Cleary was out, it did really seem like they were positioning Hines as the next guy. Yeah, you know, so absolutely. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because Heinz has probably had a, or the Sharks have had a tough couple of weeks since Origin one, and Heinz had a, a rough game on the weekend. Like maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe he had the job until he lost it like that. Maybe they just didn't like the way that he sort of dealt with with what happened in Origin one or something like that. But I, I am really, really surprised that they that they didn't go with Heinz in the end. It, it did mm. seem like everything they'd been doing over the last sort of year or so. Bar from what's happened since Origin One, was positioned towards making Hines their next guy. It's, so I, I don't, I like, I, I quite, I quite like the Moses pick. I, I think he's got more experience in big games. I think he's a better stylistic replacement for for Nathan Cleary. If you don't want to change the way the get the the team played too much, but I am, I am quite surprised they went that way in the end. Yeah, I, I am a little bit too. It's, I wouldn't say it's a bolter, but it certainly came from from almost nowhere. I think the the sort of rumblings got louder as the week went on. And honestly, you're right. And we've seen this before with Brad Fittler teams. Like it genuinely does feel like had the Sharks not got belted on Sunday and Parramatta had lost to the Bulldogs that we might be sitting here with a different halfback. But, you know, Moses has had a decent season. And I think the last couple of weeks, especially, and especially yesterday on Monday, he was, he was fantastic. So I, I don't think it's an undeserved selection by any stretch, but it is weird because you've had everyone from Fittler to like, people in the media on various channels in various publications sort of trumpeting Nico Hines as this guy who's going to be a long-term part of New South Wales' future. And then to be relatively cast aside because of this narrative that sort of, it's been there. The narrative about the Sharks not being able to beat good teams has been talked about on this show and been there. It's existed for several years, but it seems like it's only 
exploded into like the mainstream media coverage in like the last two or three weeks of this season. And I think that combined with the way they played and how badly they got beaten on Sunday genuinely did play a part. But the other thing is, I agree with you because if you are going to stick with Luai, I think you need a guy with a sublime. I, I think you'd have to go with the guy who's got the best kicking game of the options available. And those two options are Mitchell Moses and Adam Reynolds. And they went with Mitchell Moses. So yeah, if you're going to stick with Luai, I think it's the right call. I love Nico Hines. I've been a big fan of Nico Hines since his storm days. I, I, I was a big fan of him last year. I was a lot higher on him than most people, but I think with the way the rest of the team is built up, I think going with Moses or even Reynolds in this situation would have made a bit more sense than going Hines and Luai. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad that you touched on the kicking games because I do think that is a big reason that that Moses got over the line. Because while Hines is a capable kicker, Moses is 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 one is one of the best in the league, and that's been a real that's become a real strength for him over the last couple of seasons. And then if it comes becomes a shootout between Moses and Reynolds, and you don't have to worry about combinations or anything like that, Moses just has a little bit more of an all round game. Like for example, he's got a running game that 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 Reynolds can't really match just because Reynolds is at a different point yeah. of his career these days, you know? So I, it is, but that like the other point with the kicking game is there's now that there's now there's so much pressure on Moses to perform in that department because mm. we've seen in, in sort of like the last four games now, how Queensland have been able to successfully pressure Nathan Cleary on a lot of occasions because there just hasn't been a secondary kicking option really. Like Luai's got a pretty good attacking kicking game, but not really known for a yardage one. And outside of, you know, maybe spinning it wide to trail and he puts boot to ball or something like that. There's not a whole lot of other recognized yardage kickers in that blues team. You know, Cook doesn't really do it. Robson doesn't really do it. So now it's all kind of, mm. it's all kind of, oh, absolutely. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fair, it's a fair whack of pressure on him. Yeah. It's, and the juxtaposition between this game for him and his debut couldn't be bigger. Like that was a dead rubber game coming with basically no pressure. I know there's a lot of jokes that happened after that game when he was sitting there with the trophy in a game that they didn't win, but it didn't matter. That And, I, I, and this this does matter. This matters more than any Origin game that you could get parachuted into. This is doesn't get any harder than a must-win game at Suncorp. But you're right. That, that was the knock on him for quite a while is that he wasn't a big game player. And I pushed back on that a little bit last year, the year before. I thought he was one of Parramatta's better performers, even in the big games, in inverted commas, that they didn't fare well in over the last couple of seasons. And you're right. I think that if they are ever going to give him another chance, then there's no better time to do it than in this game where it's with everything on the line. And if you're not going to go back to Adam Reynolds, I think that he is the next sort of coolest head available, if you like. Mm. Uh, in terms of the other changes, I think Damian Cook was always going to come mm. in for Happy Coruscant, but I don't, I don't dislike Robson in no. either because I think it's pretty, it's pretty clear that the one hooker thing backfired on them in game one, just because Coruscant kind of I think struggled with the workload a little bit, and his, his his service particularly was 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 pretty poor at times. But I wouldn't have wanted to go with Cook Coruscant because again, I just think if you have the two guys like that who can't really play another position, you're not going to get the best out of either of them, you know. But I think with Robson, even though Robson is much better known as a hooker and has been playing great yeah. footy for the Cowboys for a good couple of years now, I think he is robust enough to sort of be that sort of ball playing 13, even if it's just, for well, he, played, he played a little bit of lock in New South Wales cup, right. Before he moved up to. Yeah. Townsville. Yeah. And he, he, he played a little bit of middle at the dragons mm. many years ago as well. But I, I wonder if, I wonder if origin is actually going away from size and going towards speed a little bit more, mm. just because when you think about 
how well Queensland has been able to do over the last couple of years with Ben Hunt playing a fair whack of footy yeah. at lock. You know what I mean? And I know he's a robust guy. He's the fucking dozer for Christ's sake. But, you know, I, I wonder I wonder if, if, if speed and the ability to move the ball across the field is now mm. more of a concern in origin than... Yeah, well, it all it all kind of like Mike, Michael Morgan was kind of the watershed for that, right? And then since then, it's kind of almost been like a staple of these teams is to have sort of a more robust, dynamic guy sort of just running around and making shit happen. And yeah, I agree with you. I think Reese Robson could definitely be that guy. Well, when when Queensland have done well, they've sort of had someone that's been able to do that, you know. And 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 Morgan's a great shout. It's sort of been Hunt now for a, for a little bit now, but maybe that's what the Blues are going for, given given how much trouble they sort of had hitting the edges of the field in game one. They're looking for for players that can sort of give them a little bit more a uh, little bit more width in their play. You know? Mm. I um I like Junior Paulo starting. I think Me that's too. a that's a good move. I they seemed to think that he was an impact player for quite a while, but he's a big minutes guy. And you may as well get that from the jump. I'm surprised that Hudson Young kept his spot because I thought he sort of had like just a, just a, I thought he just sort of had casualty written all over. Oh yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think the last couple of weeks he's played like he's been pretty low on confidence. So hopefully this show of confidence kind of gets him moving so. again. Um, um, and then Utsoi Kamanu, I think that's another one where he's sort of been around the setup for a couple of years now. Like I think he was first eighteenth man two years ago, and I and he was at, he was nineteenth man for game one. So he's someone who has been around the squad a fair bit. And, you know, a lot of the time there's not a lot of consistency in, in, in how these players are selected, but he's someone who has, I think he's gotten this Jersey ahead of someone like Spencer Lenu just because he's been around the camp a lot mm. more, you know, and that didn't save Hines on, on this occasion from getting the ax. But I think that's sort of the push behind Utsoi Kamanu. I was mildly shocked that he got it over either Lenu or Keon Kolomatangi, who I thought played excellently in the middle in a in a losing effort for Souths on the weekend. And a guy who has also in the past been around that squad as well and who can cover the edge of the ball. But maybe they just wanted a pure middle for that position. Yeah, I possibly. I, maybe they. I think. I think they were looking for size. Yeah, fair bench, enough. You know what I mean. And um, but I, I would have thought that Lenu, Lenu sort of having the game that he had on the weekend against the Roosters might have got him. Mm. over the line. Yeah, I thought he'd been for sure. Yeah, But maybe when there was so much talk in game one about the Blues refusing to get pushed around and how Pangai was going to go out there and kill people, maybe that wasn't what they were looking for. But I, I was I was surprised to see Lenu not get that spot. Yeah, me too. Um, no, no, Nothing else really raises an eyebrow. I can't believe they didn't drop James Tedesco, Nick. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, the, the punters were calling have, for it. Who could have seen that one coming? Yeah. So we jump over to Queensland then. Um, yeah, look, uh, Xavier Coates, I guess we'll start there. We'll work our way forward. But yeah, Xavier Coates back in on that wing with Selwyn Cobo out with an injury. Uh, we kind of both expected Jeremiah Nana to come straight back in, and he did with with um, those injuries to Jaya and Tom Gilbert. And uh, yeah, a bit of a different bench with um, Harry Grant, Tom Flegler, Rube Cotter, and Mo Fodawaker there. So we're at, uh, should we start with Coates? Let's start with Coates because to me, that's actually the most surprising selection in either On both spot. teams. I agree. Yeah, because I know Coates has played Origin in the past, right? Um, but I think if you've been watching his footy for Melbourne for the last 18 months, not only has he not sort of improved to the heights I thought he was going to hit, I actually think he's gone a little bit backwards. Mm. You know, and he he had a, he scored a couple of good tries on the weekend, but for the most part, he's I I I really think he's he's regressed. You know, both in attack 
and defense. I thought just two weeks ago against the Cowboys, he he had a a shocking defensive performance. Like there were times when he was an absolute swinging gate, you know. And we've made, we've had a we've had a bit of a laugh over over the last over the last sort of few weeks or so about how he's hot, he's tall enough and can jump high enough to get to any any ball that's in the air, but he's also cursed because he can never catch any of them, mm. you know. And it, to to me, he just seems like a player who. Is, is struggling to sort of master his own athletic gifts and he's sort of struggling to to get that attention to detail in his own game, you know? And when you think about some of the quality replacements Queensland had on hand, you know, they had Dane Gagai, like an origin legend. They had Corey Oates, who's never, who's never let him down when he's played mm. there and has had two pretty good weeks for the Broncos since coming back from that, uh, from that injury. You've got Phil Sammy, who's in career best form and also has origin experience from those games he played a couple of years ago. Yeah, I got to be honest. Xavier Coates would have been behind all three of them. Yeah, and and I probably could have dragged up another couple of names as well that I would have looked to before I looked to him. Well, perhaps he'll become the new Origin Gagai, Origin Coates, because he's had good games at Origin level in the past. I think it was the the, the debut game in twenty twenty. I think he played quite well, but he, yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's weird that his his club form really hasn't merited this at all. I don't think. Yeah, I yeah, I don't not not a hundred percent sure what they're going for with that one. And when you think about the way Queensland did sort of struggle for yardage for about 60 minutes in game one. Hmm. And you've got the opportunity to add either Gagai, who you know can, who you know can help in that area or Oates, who's as good at it as any winger in the competition. And instead you go for Coates who isn't known for that at all, you know? Um, So I don't know. I think that's something that New South Wales could probably look to target a little bit. I think Nanai is probably a little bit fortunate to be there just because there was not as Yeah, it's it's options. just broken really well for him, hasn't it? The circumstances yeah, around yeah. it. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty clear that Kurt Capewell's origin time is over. Is over. But yep. there was someone we forgot to mention last week who I thought was quite good on the weekend was Jaden Sewer. So after he did hmm. pretty well for the Dragons, I was kind of wondering if he would enter calculations a little bit, um, and but it didn't end up happening. Um, and then I'm I'm really stoked for Wake has got in on the bench because he's been playing a long time favorite of the program. Titans, yeah, very much so, very much so. And there was a play in that game against the Tigers that honestly might have gone a big way towards getting him picked, but the Tigers were sort of starting to mount their little comeback a little bit. It was about ten minutes to go, and Fodawaka, uh the ball went past him and he kept pushing across field. And one of the halves, I think it was Brandon Wakeham, who had a bit of a shocker was just sort of drifting sideways and Fodawaka really, really pushed up and made the second effort to knock him over and force the error and kind of kill off the Tigers' last hopes. And those sorts of little second efforts like that, you know, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but those are origin plays, you know, mm-hmm. making the second effort, always moving, always keeping your legs rolling over. It that's is the cliche, sort of but that's, that, the, that's the stuff that gets noticed. Mate, well, that's that's honestly what makes the difference in, yeah. in, in these big origin matches. And, you know, and Fodawaka is someone who's, Always made those sorts of plays. The interest we need are everywhere around us. Everybody, everybody <laughs> knows right. that. Um, so I, re- I really like him getting in. Um, back to Nanai really quickly. Yep. It's a it's a big ask to come in and play 80 minutes on the edge when he's only played, I think. I think he played 50 minutes against the Storm. That's the only foot he's played over the last month. But so on, on that might be another thing that the Blues can go after. I think on paper, this Blues team is probably about as good as the team was for game one, maybe a little bit sharper and it's the more balanced i definitely think it's more balanced queensland seems a little bit worse but you can throw that all out the window because they're playing at suncorp you mm-hmm. know and you can't quantify what queensland get and what new south wales lose all that we all that we all that there. we understand is that we don't understand any that's of right that's right 
Um, it's, do a, you have it's your, an equation we cannot solve. Do you have your David Fafita voodoo doll out just to, to try and get Corey Horsburgh out of the 19 jersey and into the starting team? No, well, i got to tell you, I, I, I think Corey Horsburgh for the second game in a row might have played himself out of a Queensland jersey. Mm. I thought I thought like, we'll get to the Canberra Warriors game in a minute, but I thought Horsburgh had, like, I think his two worst games of the season have kind of come when he's been pushing to get into that, into that origin team, you know? So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a shame for him, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it. We'll give them a, we'll, we'll give them a proper preview next week uh, after this weekend's games. But uh, for now, let's jump all the way back to last Friday. Uh, yeah, let's. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sorry for you. Oh, mate. It they does. Do, it just sucks. That's what, I they mean, do, before, that's what they do. They break be, my heart. Before you start the obituary, can I just say that despite me do, feeling bad for you and all the other Canberra fans I know who are good people, Ricky Stewart saying he would prefer to enjoy the week like they did and lose the game was one of the funniest things I've ever heard a coach say after getting their pants pulled down at home. Yeah, that game. was that was tough. I, uh, I, I, the thing is, sometimes Ricky will say things and they sound really dumb, but I'll understand where he's coming from. And I just, sometimes I think he didn't, doesn't phrase things the right way, but this wasn't that. This was something I just didn't understand. Like you said to me last week, how important was it for Canberra to win this game in terms of all the stuff for Croker? And it was incredibly important because it took what could have been one of the most memorable nights in the club's history and now there's always going to be this thing that's sort of hanging over it, you know? Yeah. You had fans leaving early, like yeah. just nightmare yeah. scenario. I like didn't, I... I didn't leave early, but I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to, like I, I, I start, I, I stuck around cause Kroger's my boy and all that. And I thought it would have been, you know, disrespectful to leave or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah that's of, good. A lot of people were leaving, man. Not to, not to upsalt. Cast a real pull over the. Not to upsalt into the wounds, but uh, you were about to pick Josh Papali in front row Friday, and you changed your mind at the like literally the second before. No, you told me I couldn't do it. I said you shouldn't pick him. No, you said no. I said I want to pick him again, and you said you can't. You picked him last week. Yeah, I think that's. I'm not sure if that's a rule, but uh, it is a rule now. But uh, that just rubs. I felt I thought of you when he crashed home for that late try. I go, oh, he could have at least got the lead in front of Friday, but he can't even have that. It's bizarre because, dude, you had. Well, this was the story of your season almost. You fucked around. Like, you had so much ball. You yeah. had, you should have been. You really should have been out of sight at halftime. And then DWZ scores that unbelievable try, and from there, like the game just flipped on its head. And I don't think there was many people. Of a of a lime green persuasion, who when Tom Arley went over for that try midway through the second half, thought that you guys were going to turn this around. And I know that watching at home, I didn't really think you were either. It just felt like the heads completely went after they only went into half time up two points with all that dominance, and then quickly fell behind with a couple of tries. And it's just it just sucks because like you could kind of just feel the 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 air and the emotion getting sucked out of the joint just watching on TV. I'm curious, what was it like being down there for that? Like, was it just sort of as somber as it came across on the television, sort of as it became apparent that the game was getting away from you. Well, pre-game, pre-game, like the place was, the place was pumping. Like the, the city was pumping, the, you know, just sort of being around the place before I went up to the ground or whatever. And then the scenes when Croker runs out and he's got his boy with him and his boy's in the headgear and you can see how emotional Croker was getting. And, you know, it really tugged at the heartstrings a fair bit. Um, and then I think, Canberra on the back of that, on the back of all that emotion and on the back of the two week buildup that that sort of had to this, to this match from an emotional standpoint, they were always going to start with a whole lot of intensity and a whole lot of aggression. And I thought they did. 
And I thought they were building pressure pretty well in the opening sort of 15, 20. I thought Fogarty's kicking game was, was really sharp. But the thing with the Warriors, and I, I think I said this on the, on the preview show, is that the Warriors are a good side because they're a tough side and they're a very strong defensive-minded side. So you have to stay on the job through the whole 80 minutes. If you get denied, if you're not scoring points, you can't get frustrated by that. You have to stick at it. That's the only way to beat them because they're so fundamentally sound. They're so strong in the middle. You have to keep staying on the job. And Canberra just didn't. Canberra just didn't. Like they sort of got that one fortunate try to Jack White and off the deflected kick. And But they to me, they were just playing like they kept expecting the Warriors to eventually fall over. But it's it, it was it was it was it was never going to work like that. And then once sort of the tide turned and, and the Warriors got a field, bit of field position and a bit of a bit a bit of field position and a bit of possession, Canberra to me started to really fall flat a little bit, and they couldn't match the sort of emotional energy that they had in the first twenty minutes. They kind of did their dash a little bit, and I guess with the build up that was always going to be a concern, but. I was hoping that because Ricky Stewart is a, is a coach who leans so heavily on emotion and Canberra's a team that leans so heavily on it themselves, that they were going to be able to sustain that through the whole 80 minutes, but it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening, you know? And like from a technical standpoint, I thought the attack was, was way too sideways. Um, I mentioned Corey Horsburgh before. I, I thought he was a bit too preoccupied with running wide and trying to isolate smaller defenders instead of playing straight up the guts and sort of giving um the giving the team some really nice shape by going to the line and passing out the back. And uh yeah, once the Warriors sort of weathered the storm, they just they were able to they were able to attack Canberra with a fair bit of structure, which Canberra have always sort of struggled to to shut down a little bit. I thought Sean Johnson was fantastic. I thought um Adam Fanor Blake was probably the best player on the field to me. Maybe, or actually, maybe just behind Charles Nicol Klukstad, mm. who had a really, really great return to to his former home and all of that. Um, and then just sort of adding, to, I was I was actually really worried with about twenty to go that it was going to really spiral out of control, really, really badly. And then Canberra steadied the ship, and then it did spiral out of control really badly with that Seb Chris intercept to, <laughs> to Sean Johnson, yeah. which. Yeah, man, wasn't in a great place when that happened. I no. gotta be honest with you. Been, um, yeah, it was. It was. It was really disappointing because while Canberra probably had, like, I, I know they've been winning a fair few games and all that sort of thing. They probably haven't really scratched the surface their own talents this year. And I was sort of hoping that they'd get to a game like this and they'd play well and they'd win it. And then that can kind of push them to a next level over over the the, the, the course of the season, you know? And because the competition's so open and because their draw's pretty good, something like finishing in the top four it, it wasn't, it's not beyond them. You it's know, not, and I'm, not, I'm not saying they're a premiership caliber team or anything like that. I'm just saying with the way the competition is set up. It's the most be, wide open comp in years. Yeah. And be, with the way that the draw sort of favors them over the back end. You could easily win like your next seven games. Like, like something like that was possible, but hmm. you know, it, it, I think it's pretty clear that when the Raiders play these really good sides, unless it's like one of those freakish ambushes, like they pulled off against Brisbane earlier this year, if teams come correct and they come yeah. prepared, then there are times when Canberra is not going to have much for them. You know, like it kind of reminded me, do you remember when Conor McGregor fought Nate Diaz the second time? Yes. Right? And it was a really great fight. Went the five rounds. Conor McGregor ended up winning. And 
I remember watching that fight. I watched a replay of that fight once and I was listening to the corner audio and Conor McGregor's corner, uh, corner audio was all like, okay, Conor keep setting him up for the left hand, keep doing this, keep doing this. It was all sort of technical stuff. And it was like, stay on the job. Don't lose your head. Like, you know, be smart, be smart, be smart. And then Nate Diaz's corner was just like, fuck him up, Nate. Fucking get him. Get him. <laughs> get this little Irish prick. You know what mm. I mean? And Canberra's like in that Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz mold. Get him. Just get him. And if getting him doesn't work, well, I don't know. We'll try getting him again next week. You know? So that was really disappointing. I do really want to wrap the wrap the Warriors though. I thought this was this was very much a bit of a coming out party for them because people they can fly under the radar all the time, but they were coming into an intimidating environment. The stakes were really, really high and, and they played to me probably their best and their most complete game of the entire season, you know? And I, I think they're now a team to me that has leapfrogged Canberra in that pecking order. And I think they're a team that can be looking at the ladder and thinking, oh man, we can probably take this a long, long way, a much longer way than, than people might've thought, you know, I thought they were extremely impressive. Though Canberra are really disappointing. And uh, yeah, I wanted to headbutt, headbutt a truck by the end of this. Yeah, that's more than fair. I, yeah, their 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 forward pack I thought played great. I mean, Mitch Barnett probably should have been imprisoned, but played <laughs> played really well. Fenua Blake Goldwyn, is Goldwyn Supermax for Mitch. Barnett? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just asking questions. Like, Fenua Blake's been close to the best prop in the league, not named Payne Haas this year. And yeah, I thought that your forward pack Tarpane aside, and Papali had a couple of nice touches, but yeah, they just really didn't get any help at all from that supporting cast, which I think is incredibly disappointing. And if Canberra are going to do something in this competition. They need a couple of those guys to step up so well, like they have done for most of the year, like guys like Horsburgh and Young have done for a lot of the year, and still and, and Solo as well. Like step up and give those two guys a bit of help, but they just didn't get it on Friday night, in my opinion. So, yeah, sucks. Um, how, and one more point before we move on, like it must just be, it must just suck. Like this is this is more a rhetorical question than anything else, but it must just suck to sort of be watching Chance Nickel Klukster play like that, knowing that you let him go and the guy that you let him go to keep is like playing on the wing in reserve grade and Ricky's doing a bunch of weird shit and nobody knows what's going on. And like, honestly, you can't help but feel how much stronger this team might be right now if, if, if CNK was still there. Yeah. Look, I I was always a big Chance Nickel Klukstad guy kind of from Mm. the time. Buy a t-shirt. That he arrived. Yeah. I used to, I still flog those shirts, buy them Mm. if you want them. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm always going to be happy to see him do well because he's that sort of he was that he's that sort of guy, you know. And he's sort of really he's playing some of his best footy probably since that 2019 season um, for the Warriors at the minute. And like I, I understood why they were getting rid of him at the time because they were like Xavier Savage is is the future, and we want to get the minutes into him. But now the situation with Savage has gotten so strange that I have no idea. What's going to happen? I have no idea if he's going to be at the club long-term anymore or even short-term or anything like that because it it, it feels like he just can't get in the game at all. He can't even get that outside back spot on the bench that Nick Kotrick seems to have, you know? And Seb Chris had a a shocker in this one, Um, and I've been pretty forgiving of some of the things he's done wrong this year at fullback because – the effort's always really there. And I've said a few times that he's not a fullback. He's just sort of filling in there. But if Xavier Savage isn't their guy and Seb Chris is, well, then all of a sudden you've got to, you've got to judge him a lot more harshly if he is going to be your long-term dude, you know, yep. when I would argue that sometimes like, like there still isn't that great feel for the position and he succeeds because, because he tries so hard, 
you know, but so I don't know. I don't know. I, this is like, I, I think I have a bad habit sometimes of getting very maudlin after every Canberra loss. Like, I think this time, this time it's understandable. I can be like, after every loss can be like, oh, the season's over. What's the point? Let's just pack it all up now. You have looked at me in the eyes very sincerely and said, we're going to win the wooden spoon on multiple occasions in, in seasons where you very much did not win the wooden spoon. Well, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Thank God. But yeah, it's just like, so when, 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 when the team fails this fundamentally, I think it's only natural to sort of think about, you know, God, like, how do we get ourselves here? What are we doing? You know, yeah. but yeah, a really disappointing night for absolutely everyone. And I felt terrible for Croker at the end um, when he was sort of, when the fans were sort of giving him a standing hour after the game and he was tearing up a, a little bit again. And I just felt, I felt terrible for him. I felt so bad that, um, I felt so bad that the, that the rest of the team sort of let him down mm. in that way. Um, and like he, he, he didn't have a great game. Himself, he you know he missed that tick, that tackle on Nickel Klukstad for his try, or whatever. But he wasn't the reason they lost, you know. And it's no. just it was really disappointing to see what had been such a special week fall flat. Like yeah, we're not allowed to have nice things. Um, the Landy Ball is back at Brookvale Oval. This was some 2021 manly business as they uh, took care of the Dolphins by 40 points, 58 to 18. Um, I said that Manly would win easily. You so you disagreed. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. I can't get a read on Manly. Neither all. can I. Neither I, I can think I. I'm, 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 I can't. I haven't run the numbers, but I'm pretty sure I've tipped for them every game they've, nearly every game they've lost this year, and I've tipped against them nearly every game they've won. Mm. I just, I, I, I can't work them out. I can't do it. I don't know. Yeah, the the excitement of Valence Tavara being named at lock very quickly wore off when it was apparent that they were going to lose by six hundred points after about <laughs> after about fifteen minutes. I thought Lachlan Croker was outstanding in this game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he was. Nick he was really good. He was really good. Ruben Garrick was really good, scoring. I think it was ten thousand points. Yep, that's right. So congratulations to Ruben. Um, yeah, it's what can you say, dude? What can you it's, say? They just sort of blew him up. They sort of tore him apart. I do wonder. I do wonder what if, what if Billy Slater rang up Wayne Bennett and he said, mate, the Raiders got Trebojevic in for game one and I need you to do it this time. I need Maybe. you to do your it out for your state, run them a bit dead, get Turbo in for game two and we'll do it all again and these Blues pricks won't know what happened to them. Is that yeah. possible? We can't rule it out because he was, again, <laughs> great. But yeah, this was this was a throwback Manly performance. Just everything was clicking, some hectic long-range tries, like, it's just they they push the pass a lot more than most teams. They try a lot of weird things, and some weeks it all comes off. And when it all comes off, this is the result, and it looks great, and it's awesome to watch. <laughs> unless you're a Dolphins fan, in which case it's terrible. But um, yeah, they were they were just fantastic in this game. I think that um, it, they're such a hard team, as you said, to get a read on. They could just as easily turn around in their next game. I'm not sure if it's this week or next week. I haven't looked. Oh, it's this week against Power with no turbo. So you could just easily turn around this week and and, and lose by 20. But um, yeah, for this, for this game and and with the way the season's going, they're sort of really got their season back on track. Sort of their four and against out massively as well. I think they went from like negative, they went from like negative 20 something to plus 22. So that's that's good for them. Um, Dolphins, look, we I, I mean, you, you did make a case for them, but you also did agree with me that it was, they are pretty much running on fumes at this point with the guys that aren't playing. And I think Tavares being named at lock was evidence of that. Um, and yeah, look, I don't know if you can read too much into that. They are just running out of troops and they, they need to get everyone back and fit, but um, a, a very bad result for them. And of course they now can't win the comp. So 
<laughs> no, yeah, that's well, I, think, I think the lesson here, and this is a lesson probably everybody already knew, but because I'm an idiot, I just have to teach myself over and over again, is these backs to the wall performance for the, for the Dolphins, they happen in Queensland. They mm. don't happen down here. Let's, let's remember I that. Have, I should have taken more notice of that, but I didn't because mm. much like the team I support, I'm an idiot and I suck. You're not an idiot and you don't suck. Um, Souths, though, they are idiots <laughs> and they suck. Hey, this is a second loss in a row where they've scored as many tries as the opposition, although I don't know if you can really claim that given what we saw. Nick, if you had the best center in the game, would you run him at Moses Suley's outside earlier than the 76th minute of the game? You know what? I think I if it, if if I could, if I had the faculties to mm. to play in the halves, I would like to think that I would do that. Yeah. But like I gotta tell you, man, I know you you probably didn't you probably didn't enjoy it as much. I had a good time. I loved this game. I loved this game. I thought it was it was just such a vibe from the start. Like when you could see how big the crowd was. Um when you I for some reason, I don't know why, I thought that the Dragons jerseys and the South jerseys just really popped on the TV. And it just it felt like such a great sort of occasion and cel- and celebration of of footy at these old traditional grounds. Like mm-hmm. I know we never shut the fuck up about Leichhardt and all of that, but it, it seemed to me to be a similar kind of experience. Yeah, apart from there. getting in, which was an absolute nightmare, which is well, always was, the biggest I, worry with these places. But... I did want to ask you about that because the mm. crowd was huge. It was officially a sellout. Yeah. And at one point they closed the gates, didn't they? Yeah, they, they also did the thing. So I didn't know this. So I was there with my family and also Ibs who listens to this show. who's a big Dragons fan. Uh, a veteran of Cogra, I haven't been there in a couple of years, and he said that they, they'll put an announcement on the loudspeaker to tell us to stand up in a minute because there's too many people on the hill and people sitting down and they need more room. And sure enough, five minutes later, they said everyone's got to stand up. So um, that's that's a sign that you know there's a big crowd. But it was interesting. I ran into a guy I used to work with at the Herald walking down from Carlton train station. And um, obviously I've got my media pass, so I can go in anywhere. So I ran into him and we walked down. We're waiting outside gate A, which is like the like the like the members gate and where like the media and stuff is and he's like oh, i've got to go around to gate c and it was only 2 30 at this point so I, was like, oh. I said mate i'll walk around with you we walked past gate b on the corner oh d the one that's like on the corner facing the leagues club the biggest line i've ever seen and then we walk around to see where he's meeting his mates who've got his ticket also the biggest line i've ever seen and then at that <laughs> point i said mate i'll see you later and then i walked back around to gate a where there was no line and just showed my pass and walked in because my family was already inside and had i not done that i think i might have missed kickoff because yeah, once you get in, it was fine. Like the 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 hill was awesome. I had a uh, just the atmosphere was really, really good at times. Although I will say it was really dead at times as well. It was really really quiet. Um, sort of for large stretches, especially in the first half, um, when not a lot was happening. But that's probably just fear. Like, maybe, well, maybe, but yeah, like but like after Rava's try, not a lot really happened until South got that try right at half time with Keon, and it was a bit quiet. But yeah, towards the end, I mean, yeah, the atmosphere was fantastic. Although I will again. Old Ibs leaves to beat the traffic after Jaden Hunt's try. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> Tempting fate massively, <laughs> and then of course, like by the time he's back to his car, Souths have got the Souths are receiving the kickoff and need to go eighty meters to tie the game, and they didn't <laughs> do it. But I was kind of happy because I never thought they were going to win this game. I know I tip them, but I tip them every week. I did say I don't see how they win this, and also I said people should bet on the Dragons. So I was not exactly high on Souths on this one, but. And, and then, you know, they got that early try, but they were just so laborious getting through their sets. They they weren't shifting the ball very well. There was just a lot of one out, very uninspiring in attack. And yeah, I don't think Dean Hawkins gave a great account of himself in that role. And, you know, it's obviously, it's borderline impossible to fill in for a guy as talented as Cody Walker, but I don't think he had a great game. I don't think Ilias really 
elevated himself to sort of be the lead guy on the team in a game where they needed him to be. I thought Damien Cook and Keon were both very good, and Campbell Graham had that excellent 10 minutes at the end. But, yeah, for the most part, a very limp performance from Souths. And I was kind of just happy that their four and against didn't get fucked up through those late tries because at one point it was 36 to 14 with three minutes left. And they would have dropped at the time, obviously different because the Sharks then got flogged a day later, but they would have dropped below the Sharks on the ladder because their forward against was taking a pounding. Um, their forward against is still better than Brisbane's right now. It would have been much worse if they'd lost this game. And I think the Eels are all, they would also be worse than the Eels had they lost this game by 30 points or so, which at one side looked likely. So kind of just glad they got those late consolation tries. I chalked this one up as a schedule loss beforehand and yeah finally after 15 rounds South's finally got a bloody bye so just get everyone, last get everyone healthy uh rest up um no I don't really just don't think you can really analyze anything that South did to any great extent in this game because you know at various points they flashed up on the screen the the guy sitting on the sidelines and it's like oh right yes there's five million <laughs> of their salary cap sitting over there watching the oh, game oh wow I forgot yeah so easy mistake to make so um Let's talk about the Dragons. I don't think it's fair that they dropped Billy Burns and Moses Embi and let Jacob <laughs> Little play the whole game, who played really well. I don't think that's very nice. And I also don't think it's fair that they kept scoring tries. I, I didn't like that either. But in all not seriousness... Very, not very gentlemanly. It wasn't. Um, in all seriousness, sporting. some ex- like that, that Ben Hunt try was awesome to well, watch. Dude, we, talked about, we talked about in the lead-up that for the Dragons to win this, they needed a Ben Hunt special. Mm. And they very much got it. He played you know? great. Scored a try, set up another couple, was just always in the match, really putting the team on his back, inspirational, go dozer, really good stuff. Jacob Little continued what's been a really good season for him at dummy half. I'm not surprised to see him completely take that job off um, off Moses and Byatt. I thought that we talked about the, 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 the forwards in the lead up to this game and we said South might have a bit of advantage in the middle, but the brothers, the brothers Molo. Yep. Frank and Mickey, they just, they really turned it on. I thought it was Frank's best game in a good couple of years. I thought it was Mick's, Mick Molo's best game of his of his entire NRL career. Blake Laurie came back. I think that was a big boost. Oh, yeah, that also Dragons. wasn't fair. Have another week off. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he should have. He, like, I don't think his hand is... is no, know, he like, carried the ball hard, and that's all I'm that pretty sure his hand is still broken in some respect. Yeah. You know? Um, And then oh, there was one more thing I wanted to mention but I'm kind of spacing on it it's now. Fine. So, oh, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You talked about Keon a little bit before, and I thought he was very strong in attack in this game, but I actually thought defensively he was probably a notch below his best. And I actually, hmm. I wonder if that's part of the reason that he didn't get, didn't get picked for the blues. I thought there were a couple of missed tackles and a couple of defensive decisions that, you know, anyone can make, but I think given all the people they had out South really needed him to. Yeah. Five is a lot of missed tackles for a guy playing that position. So yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I got, and I tell you, I was, I was going to a person, I was going to a mate's 30th just as this game was about to finish. So when Jaden Hunt scored, I was like, okay, sweet. And I went off and got changed and all that sort of thing, got ready to go. And then as I was about to walk out the door, I just checked in to see if Saints had scored again and Souths were getting that were getting that kickoff to try and come down. What the what the fuck what the fuck? How long did I spend getting ready? What game is this? Yeah. <laughs> They're showing a replay of the charity shield from two thousand and nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy ending. It did make me feel a little bit better about the whole thing walking out of there. And it actually hilariously kept the dragons on the bottom of the ladder. Because oh, God. they needed to win by eight to come off the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> and they're up by 22 with four minutes left. 
Oh man, I do oh. want to. I do want to wrap. Um, I do want to wrap Campbell and Graham. I know we do plenty or whatever, but th- mm. this might be the most damaging performance that he's had in a season filled with damaging performances. You know, um, and if they'd got it to him a little bit earlier on, maybe they end up winning. But who's to say? Who's to say? Um, we got the Broncos. Oh, just avoiding a double Coltrane collapse for us. Uh, the Broncos edging out the Newcastle Knights, but what a try to win it. That glorious flick pass from Ezra Mann uh, to Adam Reynolds to win the game. I think Reynolds had had a bit of a shocker up until this point, but he gets the winning try and the Broncos survive by the skin of their teeth, Nicholas. Yeah, this was another super game of footy. Loved it. I thought I, 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 this is very different to the, to the first game. I think it was much more high quality, but I thought it was just such a, a thrilling contest with both teams playing in patches, some, some excellent football. I, I know, Brisbane took a real while to get going with their attack in this one. Um, and I thought that they were stringing together their patterns pretty well. They were testing the Knights, but the Knights just sort of stood up to it quite effectively. They refused to sort of be blown away by Brisbane's power and, 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 and speed and, 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 incision the way that a lot of teams have this year. And, and to be honest, they showed a bit, of, the Knights showed a bit of steel that I didn't think they were going to have part of the original culture in Brisbane in this one, as I thought Brisbane were going to be able to, to handle them pretty, pretty easily. Um, one of the real highlights for this game for me was the battle between Ponga and Walsh. It was something we, we probably should have mentioned in the preview that they were going head to head because they both like Ponga sort of had a lot to prove after Walsh kind of got that, Queensland origin jersey and now it looks like he's going to be holding on to that for a really really long time and it was it was I think it's rare that you see guys go head to head in this fashion anymore you know like it was it, I think it was clear how much they were how much of an onus they were both putting on this game and how much they were both trying to to outpoint the other you know and they both had some excellent moments like that try that Ponga scored was just just gorgeous footy and the, and the second yeah. he I loved that the second he sort of realized he could take on Walsh, he decided he would take him on. You know, he didn't slow up and look for a pass. He he backed his own ability to blow a pass. And Walsh had a couple of really nice try assists like he always does, but I actually thought his best play was a defensive one when he um, took down Greg Greg Marju one-on-one. That was Greg, good. Yeah, well, yeah. well, Greg the leg looked like he was going to like stamp little Reese Walsh into the ground. <laughs> and Walsh just went in low at him and, and got him with He's him not the biggest guy, but he's got the biggest heart. Yeah, well, he's... Big something else. Don't worry about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, but it was just it was just <laughs> awesome. And I actually thought Ponga probably had the better game. I well, that's the thing. Ponga Mi- won the battle. Um, but Walsh won the war. And yeah, j- just seeing both of them really dig deep in an effort to to overcome the other it was just that great stuff. It's it's what you really really want to see. That to me was the funniest part of this game. So I was watching the game with our editor at large, who was kicking every ball with his beloved Broncos, and we were kind of laughing at the fact that. Ponga had sort of written himself out of the Origin series in advance with that statement a week ago, and then gone on to probably outplay Reese Walsh in that game. And I do wonder, Nick, like, oh, like he said, "Oh, I'm not going to play Origin this year. I'm concentrating on on Newcastle." But it's like, mate, if something happens to Reese Walsh in this game, he t- he he gets a little hamstring ping in the last five minutes of this game, and Billy's calling you on Monday. <laughs> you're saying, you're saying, "Oh no, sorry, Billy, I had that statement. I, I can't do it. I'm not playing. Give me a break." Because he I've was fantastic. Been, I've I've just been informed that what I said, I no longer believe. <laughs> yep, I am uh official statement. My previous official statement was a load of bullshit. I'll be playing for <laughs> Queensland next week. Yeah, it's it's very funny that like the first game after saying I'm not playing Origin this year, I'm concentrating on the Knights. He comes out and does this. 
in the Origin Stadium against his direct rival for that jersey. Who and Walsh had a good game, but yeah, Ponga I thought was yeah, the best. I, I, the I thought Ponga outpointed him just a little bit. Um, thought there were some more really good signs for for Brendan Piakura in attack. I, I think his his role in this team is only going to grow as the as the season progresses. Um, I think it's clear just just from the way he moves, from the way he runs, from the way he's able to hit holes that. This is a like this is a real weapon that Brisbane can have running off the coming off the bench. It's a real, real good change of pace for him. Um, the try he scored was was a just reward for a very damaging performance. Um, I think you're right that Reynolds probably he had a bit of a tough one out there. I don't think his kicking game was quite on point, and he missed Ponga for that uh, for that long range try that Ponga ended up scoring. But he did score the winner, and let's talk about the winner because. Ooh. Jesus Christ. That is, that's already, like, we got a question. We'll do question time tomorrow for the patrons, but we already got a question. What's on your Mount Rushmore of flick passes? And we're not going to do it right now because we'll save it for tomorrow. But fuck me. It's going to, that's going to be replayed on packages for years and years to come. Yeah, I, I think pass. it's, well, to, to, to just give them, just give them a taste. I think it's on my Rushmore. I think mm. I got it. Cause like, Oh, man, I wonder if he actually could have just made it to the line himself. Because I, I thought he, he was going to score. I think yeah. he ends up nearly <laughs> over the line, but like it's a like it's back of the hand. It's almost around the corner. Like it's just one hundred percent pure footballing instinct. Just it's amazing, terrific stuff. And like we mentioned, our our editor at large, Mitch Doyle, and he's he pointed this out to me. But if you watch the replay, so the play starts. Kobe Hetherington goes to the line, throws a really good offload to Reynolds who then finds Mem, who then flicks it back to Reynolds to score. If you watch it again, when Hetherington's running the ball, Mam's pushing up in support from like 15 meters away on the inside. Like there's no reason for him to push up like that, but he's doing it just in case something happens, just in case he can be there. You and know? you won't and notice it nine, nine times out of 10, but the one time something happens. That's right. And this was the one time and it's part of the reason they were able to win the game. So the flick pass is amazing, obviously. Like, And the pass from Hetherington is really good as well. But the reason that he was in a position to make that fancy play is because he was making the tough play. He was making the, the lung-busting play to push up and be there and support when there was no reason for him to be. And and that's that is as that's as an impressive a thing as you can see from a young player like Ezra Mam. So shout out to the editor-at-large for for pointing that out. But yeah, it just shows that Ezra man really does have the, the true steel about He's it. awesome. Uh, and you know what? It's the mark of a great team that you can, I mean, I don't think they played badly, but it's the mark of a great team that they can not have their best outing, but still pull it out of the fire when they need to right at the end of the game. You talk about the fullback uh, Derby. Who won the Hetherington Derby in your opinion? I dare say Kobe probably got it with that pass at the end. I think Jack yeah, might I have had it until that point. I, 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 the thing is Walsh might've, might've lost the individual battle, but you know, he lost no admirers. No, of course. I think, not. I think I think I think Kobe won a few admirers. Yeah, absolutely. In this one, you know. Um, All right. It's funny with the Knights. Uh, uh, we're too late in the season to sort of be wrapping gallant losses. Mm. But if the Knights play like this every week, they'll be fine. Yeah, be fine. They, it's just yeah. about finding this sort of effort and intensity all the time. I mean, there are still. As even, of right now, they're only one win outside the eight. So, yeah, and even even after the Mam flick pass, they still had a chance to win the game. I thought they were. I knew the I, so I caught a replay of this one, but I knew the result beforehand. But I thought when they have that shift in their second to last set, and Best is sort of bearing down on the line with a bit of support, I thought they were going to score. Yeah, even though I knew they weren't. I was Looked like, ominous. Well, maybe I maybe I read the maybe I read the NRL score center app wrong. I'm not Perhaps. sure. But, 
You do struggle with numbers, famously. Oh, dude, so, I'm struggling with everything at the minute. Oh, you're all right. World of hurt, bro. All right. Speaking of a world of hurt, the Sydney Roosters, they stink. Um, I did. Yeah, look, we got a lot of things wrong, Nick, but I did say they'd get pounded and pounded. They got. Um, it's good. Yeah. Running out of time. We've got three absolute clunkers for our last three games of the round. So uh, they have to change something this week, right? They have to. Yeah, they do. They do. Like, it's We've been saying that for a month, but. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, like, it takes an 80 minute effort to beat Penrith, right? You, it's like, it, it, it's like I talked about a little bit earlier with, with the Raiders playing the Warriors. You have to stay on the job for mm. the entire match because if you give Penrith a chance, they'll just rise up and do it. And I thought the Roosters did pretty well to hang in there for like 35 minutes. You know, their, their defense was pretty good and they were pretty willing, but their attack is just such a problem. Unless it's like fast on ball momentum based footy where Kiri can duck down a short side and find Teddy in support or something like that. There's just nothing doing. There is just nothing doing. And if I was a Roosters fan, I would be incredibly frustrated. So mad. They're that, so mad. You know, that they have this, they have Sandon Smith on the bench who, whatever else he is, he's definitely a halfback. And instead of chucking him in there with Kiri and putting Manu in the centers, they put Drew Hutchinson out in the centers again. And he got exposed for pace a couple of times, which has happened a few times this year. And Trent Robinson sort of admitted after the match that what they were doing in attack wasn't working. And it's like, well, then why have we, why have they been persisting with it? For so so long, you know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not. Um, do they play this week? Because the beauty of us recording a day late is that it's Tuesday, and I can pull up the team lists. So oh, wow. uh, they do play. Uh, they've named Sandon Smith to start at halfback. Well, there you go. Good for them. And uh, no, them. no Joseph Manu in the seventeen. So there you go. Mm. Um, for Penrith, all the usual suspects. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. I I just. I was very confused as to why there's no Joseph Manu. Misread it because I scanned over the number one. Of course, James Esco not playing. Joseph Manu named it fullback. There we go. Makes much more sense. Thought all the Penrith's usual suspects were, were great. M- Moses Leida set the tone um, mm-hmm. in that opening 20 with really physical performance. I thought Liam Martin continued his excellent form of recent weeks. Scott Sorensen, who is like a solid contributor. Just got re-signed as well. And then plays against the Roosters and turns into like it's a, a, good fucking, season, I thought. a fucking destroyer of worlds. Like... His two best games this year have been against the Roosters. He just mm-hmm. sort of ripped him to shreds. Um, there's one little passage of play that I want to draw people's attention to. It's 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 on the play book, the, the play the ball before the Isaac Tungo try in the in the second half, right? So it's Jerome Luai. He's sort of drifting across field and he gets taken down by four Roosters players. He's right near the sideline. And then he gets up to play. He fights to get up and play it quickly. And by the time he plays it, all four Roosters guys, two of them are offside and two of them still on the ground. So all of a sudden the Panthers have a massive numbers advantage that they can exploit anywhere on the field and they just pour straight up the middle. Isaac Tango backs up and scores. And to me, that's kind of a microcosm of where the Roosters are at right now. You know what I mean? Like their attack aside, they also are just getting kind of like physically knocked around a fair bit, you know? And Jerome Luai is a good player, but I don't have him pegged as like, you know, a a real tackle buster momentum generating runner, but he was able to do that because he was just faster and more athletic and more dynamic than the roosters were in their efforts to stop him. You know? So I think I said last week that I I keep expecting them to turn things around, but it's been a long time now. It's been a long time of, of, of of similar sort of stuff, you know? And but again, with the, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what they've got to change or how they've got to change it. I just know that something's got to be. Well, different. they've got to get. I think Joseph Martin needs to go back to the centres and stay there. He's he's one of, if not the best centre in the world, on his day, and he's just not at this stage in his career. Maybe, maybe, maybe next year. Who knows? 
at this stage in his career, he's not a playmaker in my opinion. And mm. it's just very, very stagnant and clunky every week for them. So, but again, they are literally on the same number of wins as the team that is currently eighth. So like for as bad as they've been a couple of good weeks and it's all fine. So who the hell knows? Um, two more games. Hang on, hang on. Yep. You don't want to talk about Lenu and Jared Warrior-Hargrave? Oh, sure. All right, we are running late, but yeah, sure. That well, was dude, it's a, it's a big week of footy. We can run a bit long. All right. We're going to be we're going to be Lenu and Jared Warrior-Hargrave in a second, if you don't watch <laughs> your tone. Well, no, I thought you'd want to stress this because you still whinge and bitch about how one of the Burgess brothers got suspended years ago for throwing a water bottle on the field. Yes, but uh, someone named Nick Campton told me that I was wrong to be annoyed by that, so I don't bring it you up. were. Anymore. He should have been suspended. <laughs> Hargrave should have been suspended for this. Should have been put in prison. Well, it is it is really hard to get suspended these days. It really is. I will isn't say it? that. I if he can't get it. suspended, if he can't get suspended for throwing a water bottle at someone, then what what are we doing? Here? I, yeah, you can't I, throw I, shit at people. You sh- I think everyone should be allowed to throw one item per year. Oh, really? Hmm. But like a funny oh, item. On. Every every player or every club. Every team. Every team gets every one team. throw per year. One chuck. I got it, man. Then you had the then you had the crazy eyes on that one. Yeah. I oh yeah. I was I was I was I was alarmed by what I was seeing on my television. I was like, this is too scary for me on a hungover. Of Sunday all the morning. people I don't like this. Of all the people I'm not gonna fuck with, and the list is very long. Cauliflower ears are the number one. Yep. Then the number two is a guy who was like, I don't care that my dick exploded, I'm gonna try to play this week. That's yep. number two. And that's Spencerlinu. That's not a guy I'm messing with. But then like Warrior Hargraves is probably number three. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Also not a guy I want to mess with. At the very least, he's top ten. I did think it was funny, though. Like, Lenu was clearly uh, – somebody must have said something to him about something because he was, like, off the leash. He was pissed off. And I think for Hargraves, it was very much a, like, ah, oh, we've tangled up, we've tangled up. All right, now it's over. And then Lenu kept going. And I think Hargraves was a bit perplexed that it, that it was still going on. Also pushed Luai into the ref and knocked the ref over. Yeah, like, that was that was that was. That's bad. not on. Can't be doing that. I I got the impression that he was like, okay, the team's really struggling. I'm the leader. I got to show him the way with a bit of physicality and a bit of aggression. But it kind of just when, totally yeah. spiraled out of control. Yeah, it really you know? did. Yeah, but the the highlight of um, I I, I watched the highlights of this game later. I was out live. I was just very confused, Kev. Like, was it vivid with my wife on Saturday night? And like. During this game, I saw multiple people walking around in both Panthers and Roosters jerseys, like just walking around the rocks and stuff. Whilst this game was happening, it's like, what are you doing? Go watch the game. What are they doing? They're just just showing the colours. Uh, let yes. it happen. But it, it annoyed me. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, two more games. Uh, the Sharks also can't win the comp now after conceding uh, fifty-four points to the Melbourne Storm. Their woes against uh, top eight oppositions continue. Um, we're like, I mean, this is a this is a conversation for another day, I think, because it's a much longer and more nuanced conversation than we have time for. But like, it's a real problem at this point. I've been a big defender of the Sharks for a long period of time. I know what the we've we've talked about what they need to do better. We've talked about their problems, but when you just roll over this limply against a team, and you know, going into this game, they were what, uh, you know, if they'd won this game, they'd be outright third on the ladder. So there was a lot on the line for them in this game, and to just surrender so meekly i think is just extremely disappointing well show that that graphic that fox league showed yeah much of their record against top eight teams over the last four years now was pretty was pretty telling i thought um and i've been a much bigger critic of the sharks than than you have this year um and i chose this week to believe in them which 
of the many book pad decisions I've made over the last sort of three or four days, that probably ranks somewhere in the middle. But like, yeah, they just got totally, just totally blown off the park in, in a way that if I was a Sharks fan, I would want to see some retribution for. Like, I think there's a, like Matt Moylan should be playing at Henson Park. Yeah, the Sharks fans are could not be you know? off him if they tried. Yeah, like he 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 was like Melbourne just went after him ruthlessly and continuously. I well, think that... he ended up missing ten tackles, and I think missed tackles can sometimes be a little bit of a hey, not today. Stat, but not 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 today. Well, dude, not Moyle, that that Moylan Talakai corridor has been an area for teams to exploit since yep. route like last year, but also like from when from the moment. Cameron Murray tossed Lachlan Elias over the line like he was a drunk getting thrown out of a pub in round one. It's been an alleyway for teams to exploit over and over and over again. And it's just like, I, I don't know, like something I said, I mean, you know, we're recording this after teamless have been named and Moylan has been named again. So there's only been one change for Cronulla and it was a forced one with um, Royce Hunt being injured. Everybody else is the same. Toby Ruos back in the jersey number 20. But other than him and the other guys that have been named on that extended bench, it's the, it's the same guys again. Yeah, I that that would frustrate me to no end if I was one of your black, white, and blue brethren, mm. because I think it, it 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 it's becoming increasingly clear that the team as currently constructed has kind of hit a ceiling, mm-hmm. you know, and that ceiling is sort of like a, a six, seven, eight team can't really match it with teams that are better than them, you know, and things have to change for that to change. You know, and it, it might not have to be big changes. It could be as small as Trindle comes in for Moylan, or it could be as small as maybe they pull the trigger on moving Talakai to the middle of the field and bring Tracy in in the center or something like that. But but something different has to happen after a after a game like this. You know, the the loss to Brisbane disappointing, but not can't not not explained away. But you can say, well, look, it was a bad night. We got another chance to prove ourselves, and then to put this together is just. Yeah, just 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 not good enough on any no. level. And you know what the crazy thing is? I thought like Hughes and Munster and Grant were all great for the storm. I thought it was Hughes' best game of the season by a by a by a way. But outside of those three blokes, I I didn't actually think the storm were that close to their best. That's I I, yeah. I really didn't, you know, like their big guns played well, but it didn't strike me as the sort of like Holy shit! The team's coming together. The storm are back. Like it, it didn't strike me as one of those. But mm. when Josh King's running thirty meters to score untouched, you don't need That's to be playing like a finely honed machine. Just you know? unbelievably concerning. That, that was the, how that good was a they made Josh try, King look. Yeah, that was a balloons try. Well, I think they're just almost by default back to being the fourth best team in the comp now. Even if they didn't play amazingly well in this game, they they certainly played well. And yeah, they did. They're right up there again in the top four. A great performance for them. A great boost for their four and against as well. But yeah. Uh, we'll have to have another day. We talk more about the sharks, but um, a lot of soul searching to do for them. And very much so. Finally, we have the game that probably put Mitchell Moses into New Wales team with Parramatta taking care of business against the Bulldogs. Um, a cagey opening. The dogs get back into it with that that sick try with um with Oluapu feeding Burton after beating about I think forty three tackles. That was awesome. Um, then after that, just one more try. Moses dancing on them and and feeding. Clint Gutherson, I thankfully avoided hearing anyone make a King's birthday reference. About, how? Well, I, 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 I didn't. How did the, you manage that? Because I didn't have the commentary on. Ah, <laughs> so, move. so it worked out good well for move, me. Dude. But um, yeah. Uh, again, 
I picked the Bulldogs. I'm a very stupid person, but uh, <laughs> a lot of me are culpers today. A lot of hey, a lot of, lot of us begging for forgiveness. Let's just go back to that Coltrane game where we won via like a last second try. That's like the most right we were about anything this week. But yeah, Panamata were fantastic. I thought, um, yeah, I think Moses really kind of knew he was in the shop window in this game and he, and he played like it. Yeah, I thought I thought he was excellent. I think you're right. I, I thought, you know, the, the, the Bulldogs were able to keep pace with him a fair bit, kind of through that opening 20. And then Para just sort of surged, surged into control of the match. And, you know, I I actually tend to think that judging from from Brad Fittler's comments today, that it was this was all probably always Moses' jersey to lose, even though we didn't kind of frame frame the debate or the situation that way. But I thought what was really impressive was just sort of the variety of ways that he was able to really control this match. You know, he did it with his passing, he did it with his kicking, he did it with his running as well. You know, I think um, he really exploited Tavita Pangai Jr., who overchased pretty badly for two. For two Parramatta tries, I wonder if that was something. I wonder if Pangai Junior maybe played his way out of an Origin spot in that as well, because he had been pretty good in the two weeks since since Game One, and then Parra just kind of totally whooped him a little bit. Um, our guy Dejan Arcy, I thought was very tidy at five eight in his in his first start, replacing Dylan Brown. Um, just did all the little things right, some put in some nice kicks, ran the ball quite strongly. Um, so I think that's a that's a reason for optimism for for a fair few Parramatta fans. Um. And yeah, and, and the Bulldogs came into this with a playing a different style of footy. I thought they were trying to be a lot more expansive and play with a lot more sort of positivity. They were spreading the ball a lot, definitely. But I just don't know if they've got the cattle right now to play that kind of open, scintillating, attacking football. You know what I mean? Especially when you when you when they're starting someone like Jaden Ockenbore in the second row. You know what I mean? Like that sort of would preclude me from looking to play. That sort of way, you know. Um, you know, you can't fault him. Can't fault him for trying something different, but didn't didn't especially work. I didn't think. And and you know, Parramatta have won three on the trot now, and they've looked pretty good in all three of the wins. And you know, maybe they're getting back a little bit to that sort of form that we've come to expect from them in recent in in, in recent years. You know, it'll be tough this week without all their Origin guys, but they do look to have turned a corner a little bit. This, yeah. this was the sort of game that. They could, they could have been trapped in, and they did get trapped in these sorts of games at the start of the year. They, how many times have we said they played to their opponent's level? But this time, to me, they were playing their footy, not anybody else's, and that really bodes well for them, I think. Well, it is funny. Like, we talked a lot, not but just people in general talked a lot about the demise of the Eels and the Cowboys and even to an extent and the Storm a little bit. But like we're at the point now where, like, a dead set could just be the same top eight as last year with the Broncos replacing someone, the Roosters or maybe even the Raiders or one of those deals of Cowboys. We're going to end up with seven of the same top eight from last year, after, despite despite all the sort of overtures we've given to other teams this year. So there you go. It's never maybe. The lesson, as always, is we're idiots and we overreact to absolutely everything all the time. And we probably shouldn't be allowed to own microphones or put the takes out there. Well said. <laughs> Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. All right, long one, but we've got a couple of bits of news that cannot be avoided, Nicholas. Uh, the white smoke's gone up above Wynn Stadium. <laughs> Shane Farnigan has been, it was worded very weirdly, he's been endorsed. 
by the board. So he hasn't been hired, but like they're going to hire him. Well, yeah, I think he's been offered the job and it's just like they're dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the contract. But uh, yeah, Flano's their man. He's back. Yeah, look, um, I, I feel, I don't really know if I have like a strong position on this. I know people, there's some people that never want him back in the game because of what happened with the Sharks. But like my argument to that would be like, He's never really left the game. He's been in and around the game, whether it's commentary, whether it's in backroom staffs at multiple clubs since since he since he left Sharks. Like he's never really left the game, has he? And no, no. And like that, he was always going to return as a head coach at some point. Like that writing has been on the wall. Probably, I think he I think he served a year's suspension after he got deregistered from Cronulla, and then that was twenty nineteen, and then twenty twenty he was back at the Dragons as an assistant. And ever since then, he was always going to end up going for a head coaching role somewhere, you know, and regardless if you think it's right or wrong, I think this was always, this was always coming. Um, uh, personally, I, I think the fact that he's been deregistered twice <laughs> is something that will always be in the back of my mind. I think Shane Flanagan's a really, a really good coach, a really accomplished coach, you know, and he did a great job all those years with Cronulla and I think he's been he's done some good things as an assistant as well. But to me, that will always be there. Like you'll like I have I don't I can't think of another coach who got deregistered, let alone deregistered twice. You know, so I don't know from a from a footy perspective. Um, I actually don't mind this for the Dragons. Oh think, no, definitely not. I think they wanted an experienced hand. Um, and if you wanted an experienced guy, you probably can't do much better than Shane Flanagan, who you know, built Cronulla into a team that ended up being a premiership winner and showed a real gift for, for getting the best out of, for the getting the best out of players. He has that experience at, with the club from his time as an assistant a few years ago. I know a few of the Dragons players spoke very, very highly of him and, and what he was able to do for their careers at that time. Um, yeah. And it's, if, if you, if you don't want to go for a young guy like Ben Hornby or, 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 or Dean Young, you may as well go and experience. I kind of wanted them to get Michael Checker, but uh... <laughs> it would have been fun, definitely. Yeah. But there's only two current, or there's only two active coaches who don't have jobs who have won premierships, and it's Des Hasler and Shane Flanagan. And you know, so if 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 you want experienced, if you want someone with a proven track record, they're the they're the two best you could get. And now they got one of them. Look, I understand that what he did was bad. But like we've let people back to the game who've done far worse things, yeah. in my opinion. So that's where I stand on it. And I think if you're a Dragons fan, um, <laughs> certainly not the most deplorable person currently <laughs> associated with your first grade team. So what's another one? Just chuck them on the pile. Yeah, fantastic. The, the, like, so if I was a Dragons fan, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be delighted. Point. Well, the yeah. only thing that would give me a tiny little bit of pause is during his time with Cronulla. Flanagan always showed a preference for playing veterans over over young guys, right? And that was he. If the two were equal, he'd always lean the older fella, uh, which is fine. Which is fine. Shane Flanagan's a really good coach. He knows what he wants, and he's going to get it. But just that the Dragons have been through a three year period now where they did sign so many old fellas, you know, so many guys who were getting towards the end of their career, and they kind of got the worst end of the finish of 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 a lot of guys' careers. That would just give me a a tiny little bit of pause, but I'm sure they'll be able to to figure something out, you know. And they they do have they do have those those young fellas that we talk about who are sort of coming the way up. I'd be really keen to see what he'll be able to do with someone like Blake Laurie, who's playing the best footy of his career. But 
probably has another level to go to. Like Shane Flanagan helped turn Matt Pryor from a bench forward into a two-time, into a, a, a linchpin of a premiership side who ended up playing state of origin footy. You yeah. Know? So imagine what he can do with someone like Blake Laurie. Absolutely. And the way that that club's been run, I mean, they've lurched from bad coach to bad coach over almost a decade now, or maybe more than a decade even. So yeah, look, they've not really had anyone that I would want to be coaching my team since Wayne Bennett left. And so to get a guy who's won a comp, I think, look, indiscretions aside, it's a no-brainer for them. Yep. Really, really is. And last bit of news, uh, Luke Brooks has been told that he uh, can uh, look elsewhere for 2024. Nick, you're Luke Brooks for life. Are you Luke Brooks for Lime Green? Well, yes. When uh, This is when joking around can go a little too far. You know, you said the white smoke was above... ANZ Stadium. What color smoke is emanating from Leichhardt Oval at this time? Tangerine. Have they extinguished the fiery? 200? No, it's the same thing. It's been burning <laughs> the whole time. It was actually burning the next weekend when I was there for something else. It was still there. Um, <laughs> no, I, well, like how many? Like Brooksy's done a lot better this year. I think he's he's played his best football in some time, um, particularly sort of over the last six weeks or so. But how many times have we said it that the best thing for player and club was mm. to undergo a change? So. You know, and I'm 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 glad that one of them made the decision that things had to be different because things had to get had, did have to be different. There was there's so much baggage. Like it sounds like I'm talking about a couple getting divorced, but there's so well, much baggage, in a lot of ways. There's so much baggage between them at the minute. I I think Luke Brooks hmm. probably still has it in him to be a above average NRL halfback. Yeah, somewhere in the NRL. I just don't think it can happen at the Tigers anymore. I think there's just too much that has happened between them. Um, I don't want him at Canberra though. I okay. don't want him at Canberra, not because I don't believe in his talent still or anything like that. It's just that Ricky Stewart has such a weird track record with halfbacks. Taking on a halfback that already has so much baggage with him is just not a decision I would like to see Canberra make. But, so um, let's um. So with with Brooks's age as well, like I I very much doubt that he's going to want to go to a team that's still sort of building for the future or still sort of not in a in a win now sort of mode or like a team that he can't sort of sort of go in and sort of almost be a complimentary piece to another, to another half in, in an already good team. So let's quickly, I'll just go through the ladder, like really quick on each team. Penrith, obviously not Brisbane, obviously not Melbourne, obviously not Souths probably don't have the money. Um, Cronulla would be interesting. I think that Moylan's time has run its course there. And I think a Brooks Hines combination could be, could be pretty got, tasty got, for them. But they got but tricky the, as well. That's true. So probably not. Warriors, no, Raiders, I think, is a decent fit, but you don't want him. But I think there's an interesting fit there. Manly, I think they've still got all their eggs in the Schuster basket, so it's not going to happen. But, you know, could be a swap deal. Who the hell knows? <laughs> uh, Eels, I mean, so much depends on the Dylan Brown situation. They're not going to go after Luke Brooks if if Brown's case disappears and he's allowed to play rugby league again. Titans, no. Dolphins, no. Roosters. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm not joking. Like, I... Uh, they need another playmaker and, you know, for whatever reason, like I know they've got Sam Walker still at the club, but may, maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's what Brooksy finally gets to play finals football, playing, playing off Luke Kyrgios, being the number seven with Luke Kyrgios, the six in a Roosters jersey next year. Knights? Uh, no, I, I, I think the Knights would be possible. Mm. I think, you know, there's, there's a bit of a history there between, Hastings and Brooks, they played they played together a little bit last year and the Tigers did okay on those occasions. Um, 
maybe not the most inspiring signing at the world. When you run through the clubs like that and sort of judging from some of the reporting over the last couple of days, I wonder if Brooks is actually heading to the Super League. Yeah, well, you got been... a couple more Cowboys. There was a talk of a swap deal, but I think him and Chad is much of a muchness for both teams. I'm not really sure who that benefits. Dragons. Well, Todd, Todd Todd Payton coached Brooks in the twenties like the Tigers, okay. and they've always been they've always been pretty close. So that's one that's um, one keeping an eye on. I well, say. Dragons obviously not with Hunto there and and Bud Sullivan. The Dogs. I know some Dogs fans are kind of intrigued by the idea, and look, I think that is an interesting idea, but I'm not sure that he would elect to go to another sort of rebuilding team when he's now, uh, what is he now, 30, 29, 28. So he's turned, he'll be he'll be 29 before the next season starts. So I'm not sure if he wants to be sort of tied to another project because I think the dogs are kind of in a similar spot to the Tigers. Maybe a little bit behind them, I would to be dis- honest. I would, no, I would disagree. I would think. Really? Well, I think Canterbury could sell it to him as, Luke, Luke you're the last piece of the puzzle, you know? You know, you've got you'll have Stephen Crichton as your fullback. You'll have Matt Burton as your five eight. You'll have Reed Marnie it's as good, your hooker. Yeah, it's pretty you good. Know, the forward pack probably not there as yeah, as much. That's the, the thing, dude. Got the, yeah, I know, I know. But I'm just I'm just saying I could see I could see them selling making, it to him, making that pitch. But like for me personally, like uh, if I'm Luke Brooks, I'm uh, I want to go to a team where like it's not oh you're the missing piece of the puzzle. You're gonna you're gonna make this all work. It's we're already good. You're going to put us over the top, and I feel like that might not be what he. That might, might not, not be his what number he one priority, get. though. That's true. Like, I don't know what he's. I mean, I, I don't know what I, his number one priority is. I know this is, is this but... is hard. This is hard for any anyone to hear. But you're not Luke Brooks. <gasps> what? And you never will be. Oh well, not with that attitude. <laughs> um, but yeah, look. I mean, we are big Luke Brooks guys, obviously. I mean, I mean. If 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 you if I told you now that it was going to work out, you'd love him at Canberra. You'd absolutely love it. Well, but, hang on. If you but, told me it was going to work out, like, but, but like, yeah, what have I, I, to- what have I told you? Canberra were going to win two premierships with Luke Brooks. Would you still want to sign? Is that him? something you might be interested in? <laughs> yeah. um, no, but like, dude, I don't know, man. I genuinely kind of like the fit there. I feel like him and Fogarty together could be fun. With and like, you got a good forward pack. You got some good strike outside backs. I think that like, it's kind of a nice fit as far as fits go for him. I yeah. The, the thing is, I, I know there's a few Raiders fans that have sort of said they're intrigued by the possibility of it working. But like, what would it working even look like? Hmm. Like, are we talking about Brooks getting back to career best form, Dalian halfback of the year stuff, or are we just talking about him being like a competent, competent-ish game manager? Are we looking to unleash Luke Brooks's running game, like as supposedly been happening for a thousand years? But you've now? also like, you've also said in the past that like the Raiders are big on like projects like they think i can fix this guy and they have gone down that route with guys before yeah but now, i don't know rarely rarely with a guy this old that's true and rarely rarely in a key position as well mm. yeah i mean so, that i i just i just i just think with ricky and the i, I like i can understand what you're pitching me mm. and if it wasn't for ricky stewart's history with halfbacks i might be a little bit into it but just given the fact that He's he's always he's been strange with halfbacks ever since his roosters days, hmm. and he has such sometimes struggled to get the best out of them. It's just it's 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 not a chance I would like to see them take. That's fair. I'd have him at South. It's not going to happen though. So that's all right. Maybe one day. Maybe all one right. day. All right. Before we get out of here, quick thank you to people in the top two tiers. Apologies for the show being late this week. Of course, you guys got to understand Origin, all that stuff. We had to wait till the teams were out till all the all all, all that was sorted out before we could record. Um, so yeah, we'll be back tomorrow if you're a patron with questions. We'll be back on Friday with the preview show if you are not. Uh, but before we go, a thank you to 
Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi Stu, where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Carlinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresbridge, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Josh McGuire's HR audits, kicks out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Midmore, Matty Jenkins, Marooned Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy, Pat McManus, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, the Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, was Bertrand born or egg hatched? Was and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Yeah, long show this week, but we had to we had to break down all the news. We had to As... issue formal apologies and mea culpas. We had to work through our feelings. Like mm. we really ran the gamut on this one, man. As... We went on a magical, magical, mystical journey and arrived right back here where well, we began. As friend of the that we know nothing. As friend of the show, Brock Hoff would say, there was a bit on. <laughs> so let's live by. Absolutely. All right. Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.